Wow, good to see everybody. God bless you guys. We'll just get a little quick adjustment on the, on the uh, microphone there. Sorry for that. How are you? Everybody good? Um, Israel, can you, can, you, can you help us out with this, my brother? What a name, Israel, huh? Yeah. Go through, I love it, man. Uh, we just want to, these are going to go around. Yeah, thanks. These are going to go around. Feel free to sign in. I think there's one pen here. It's either Jess or Israel. It might be missing a pen. Are you? Yeah, you got one? All right, so uh, just pass those around. This is a sign-in for the class we're doing on Sunday mornings. If you haven't been here, uh, our class called Deeper Life on Sunday mornings. And, and when you sign in, it gives you a record and gives us a record of what classes that you uh, made, what classes you might have missed. Um, we, we, uh, we use this class to enter people into membership at Embassy Church and the ministry at Embassy Church, really a foundational class for us. And uh, so we invite you to um, kind of just make note of, of where you are. We also have notes. Want to go ahead and grab the notes. In fact, if somebody wants to grab me a note, um, that would be great as well. I don't think I got one of those. And uh, thanks very much. So these are, um, yeah, both of those. Thanks. All right. So these are notes that you can have the place with a little fill in the blank. Feel free to get a hold of that. And uh, that'll help you to follow along with the teaching and to, uh, to grasp a hold of what we're talking about as we go. So that's a little information about uh, deeper life in general. In specific, we're on a, a, a lesson last week and this week called the identity and calling of you, your identity and your calling. Uh, we've talked about the identity and calling of God's people, the church. We've talked about the identity and calling of God, really. We've talked about the identity and calling of this church, Embassy Church, and, and, and we started last week doing the identity and calling of you, and we're going to continue that today with a, with a greater emphasis on, um, on, on calling. Um, can I give this to somebody? Can I, Israel, can I, here, thanks. Thanks, bro. And uh, so that's called trust. If you weren't here last week, uh, there, there are probably some of these out on the hospitality center. This is where we talked about your identity in Christ an amazing Bible study for you to go through, who I am in Christ, how God brings significance into our life and security into our life and acceptance into our life and makes that our identity, that we are accepted by God in Christ Jesus, that we are significant because of God uh, coming into our lives through Jesus and abiding in us by the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're secure in that. We're, that's where our, our safety and security and our provision, all of those things come from. So we want you to go ahead and, 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 and get a hold of that so that you can use that as a Bible study for yourself. And we also did what was called the Fellowship of the Unashamed when we started talking about our calling. If you didn't get those last week, they're great resources. Feel free to get a hold of those. And then we did that little exercise on our identity and calling in God. We gave you a chance to do your artwork and write those things down and, and uh, really, really beautiful stuff. Today, you see another um, piece of paper there has a, a couple of pages called Discover Your Spiritual Gifts. Just set that aside for now. We're going to get to that in a little bit and, uh, and have a chance to get into that together. I want us to pray not just for um, our gathering today around the Word, but I, I want us to lift up Juliet Balabanian. I see her in the back there. Um, I looked for her. I didn't know if she'd be here today. Uh, she's back from Dallas. Um, 98, 97-year-old father 
uh, she had to say goodbye to him this, this past week. And uh, really, really tough times to have to say goodbye to dad, just have to say goodbye to mom. And, uh, and, and it's just really, you know, just emotional, heart-wrenching, all of that. And we just want to lift up Juliet, her family, to the Lord. I want you just to do that from your hearts right now. I'm just going to lead us in prayer. But if you would, just, just, just let your heart go out to God in prayer for Juliet and for her family, okay? So, Father, in Jesus' name, God, we lift up everyone here, uh, all of our needs. You know what they are, God. Uh, Lord, we trust you, God, to take care of every one of our households, Lord. We trust you, God, for um, those who are here this morning, those who are not here, Lord, uh, like Pastor Vinny, God, and, and, and Rob and Allison and others, God, who are out um, doing um, things in calling and ministry. And, Lord, we just trust you, God, for those who are in travel. Lord, we, wherever people are, in the, even the sickness going around, God, uh, we lift everyone up to, to you that are, that are here and not here of our church family. But we especially lift up Juliet to you and just ask you, God, in Jesus' name, that you would comfort her, that, Lord, you would just fortify her whole being, Lord, emotionally, God, um, spiritually, in every way. God, we just pray that you would do a great work in her, Lord, and her husband, Norris, God, and her son, Deacon, Lord. We, we trust you for them, Father, and we thank you for your love for them and for all of us, God. And now, Lord, we just pray that you would just bring revelation to us about who you've made us to be and what you've called us to do. Father, I pray that there would be revelation that would come to individuals even beyond the, the words that I'm speaking, that you would speak your Holy Spirit words in, a, in a, people's lives, God. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord. We praise you, God, uh, for who we are in you and what we're called to do, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we say amen together? Amen. amen. <laughs> so, a few weeks ago, I was here before you, um, you know, on my way to being sick and on my way out of being sick, and I was just really excited about having got through this pandemic, this flu season that's so crazy, and I got a double dip of the pandemic, of, of the flu, you know, it came back at me, I don't know where it came from, maybe you're to blame, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, one of us, you know, passed on a germ and I, I'm staying away from people from shaking hands and hugging and that kind of stuff. Uh, and you probably want to keep your distance with me cause I'm still getting over this, but it was a rough week, but God was good all week long. And, uh, and so, uh, it, I, you just have to kind of pardon my voice as, as we share together. I want to start out with this verse of scripture, uh, in Romans chapter one, verse number one, verse number six and seven, it says, Paul a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And really those are just some of the very first words of the whole 16-chapter letter of Paul to the Roman believers, uh, Jew and Gentile in Rome. And, and they're so power-packed, and I want you to identify and recognize how intertwined the, 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 uh, the aspect of identity and calling are. Let's look at Paul. We can see how Paul's identity and calling are so intertwined. Uh, Paul identifies himself as a servant of Jesus Christ, he, the word there is actually bond slave. It's, it's saying you're being, you sell yourself 
into, into slavery. You, you, you say, I'm going to be owned by this family and serve this family, and, and I'm doing it for my own free will, and it's not, you know, what, what this country recognizes as slavery. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a different thing uh, from the past that we've experienced here in this country. But um, he's, he's identifying himself as a bond slave, as a servant of Jesus Christ, as his identity. And when he gets to his calling, called to be an apostle, you know, he couldn't call himself an apostle without first calling himself a servant, without recognizing that Jesus owns me, that Jesus bought me with his blood, that Jesus made me his own, that I belong to Jesus. And so Paul just understood his identity closely wrapped up with his calling, that his calling came out of his identity. And then notice that he identifies ourselves in that way too. When he begins to refer to us, he says, to all those in Rome, to all those in Washington, D.C., who are loved by God and called to be saints. You see the mixture of identity and calling. So, so often we focus on what we do we, we, we don't hardly think about who we are and what God has called us to be. But out of what God has called us to be flows what God has called us to do. So being a saint is step number one. Doing what saints do is step number two. It's hard for you to act like a saint if you don't realize that God has already made you a saint in Christ Jesus. If you only see yourself as sinful, if you only see yourself as defined by sin and the attacks of Satan, temptation in your life, then it's hard for you to live up to being a saint because you're not identifying yourself that way. God is, but you're not. And so what you're doing is not in, in, in line with who you are in God. But when you understand who you are, then comes the calling of, of what you do. And it's a very, very powerful thing. So begin to focus not just on what you do, but who you are in God. Look at how it describes us as who we are in God. We're loved by God. We're called to be saints. We have grace. We have peace in our Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see here that identity and calling are closely woven together. And if you're filling in the blanks there, there's your two words to start with. Woven together in Christ Jesus. Now I want to give you an example of this in a, in a man... Um, that you might have heard his name, um, David Green. And if you haven't heard the name David Green, maybe you've heard uh, the name of his company called Hobby Lobby. All right. And I want to just share with you a little bit about David Green. He's a multi-billionaire. Um, he uh, is also the most generous benefactor of evangelical movements, the churches and ministries um, in, that, that, that exists in the United States today. Like no one is giving more to image the, the, the gospel cause than, uh, than David Green and his family and, uh, and, and, and through, their, uh, through their resources from these retail stores called Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby started in the, West, uh, started in the Midwest, has branched out to a lot of other peoples. Their goal is to open a thousand new um, stores. They, they've got... Um, 20,000 plus employees, uh, well over, um, you know, 500 stores in 39 states. Um, David Green is, is an amazing man, and we'll get more into what he's done for the kingdom of God along with his family, but I want to tell you a little bit about his mom. His mom and dad were preachers. His dad was a preacher. His mom was committed to missions. 
They hardly made any money. They pastored little tiny churches in little tiny uh, towns in the U.S. And they really didn't have a lot of money. But his mom sacrificed so much to just, uh, you know, give to missions. Just, and he learned, just give, just give. And the more you give, the more God gives to you. And he provides for all your needs. That sometimes you're even giving out of your own needs. But he learned trust and he learned um, priorities and, and all of that. And he saw that example. But his mom became really concerned about him because everyone in their family had obeyed the call of God to enter in to full-time career ministry. His dad was a preacher's mom. Their parents were. He had uh, six siblings. All of them had gone into full-time ministry. And he announced to mom one day that God's called him to be a Christian businessman. And she hit her knees. She hit her knees, very concerned for her son, because she thought, oh no, he's disobeying the call of God for his life. He's going to go out and get his focus just on money and just on the world, and he's going to have to compromise his principles, and he's going to have to water down his faith, and all of those things that, that from her like limited scope and understanding of the world was just kind of focused on that being a threat to the call of God in his life. And she was very concerned for him. But he knew of a certainty that God was calling him into, the, in, into uh, the, the calling of being a Christian business person. And, and no matter how she felt, the Lord con convinced him that this was the direction for his life. He started a little store with a friend of his that just began to put some crafts together. They began to sell them to others. And it became this multi-million dollar business called Hobby Lobby. And it was amazing what God did, but I want you to hear what God did through that. Because of the Christian principles that he was raised with, he knew how to kind of build a company on those same principles. So he decided we're not going to have uh, uh, families be affected adversely by this business. We're going to give everyone a day off. Everyone's going to have a Sabbath rest. So they don't open their business on Sunday. And everyone has freedom to go, whether they're churchgoers or not churchgoers, just to go and get rest. Long before we started talking about $15 minimum wage, they were bumping up and surpassing that minimum wage. They were always saying, how can we go ahead and get people the money that they need to provide for their families? They played Christian music throughout all of their stores and provided an atmosphere. They taught how the way that we do customer service is through the power of God's love in our lives. And, and they shared those principles. And many people who have come to work for Hobby Lobby have become followers of Jesus themselves. So they've built a, a business empire on Christian principles. And the Lord has blessed that. But it's not just in-house that they've been able to do this, but outside of Hobby Lobby, they've been able to give literally multiplied millions of dollars, some $70 million to Oral Roberts University, um, about uh, $20 million to actually buy a campus for North Point Bible College, the Bible college that my wife and I went to, and Jonathan and our daughter Jordan, and, 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 uh, and, and, and they, they poured in money into multiple Christian universities. Liberty University has received tens of millions of dollars uh, from this. And we might know Hobby Lobby as the ones who won that Supreme Court case for the freedom of Christian business people to not have the government dictate to them what, what kind of allegiance they would have to a 
abortion, uh, in, in, you know, providing that for their, for their people. And, and, and if you have that strong conviction and you believe that, that, that abortion ends human life, that needs to be respected. That needs to be regarded. And that court case won because of these individuals. But if you might not know all of those things, um, I want to share with you two really powerful, powerful things. One is over 200 million people around the world have received the gospel of the Lord Jesus through every home for Christ through the support of, of Hobby Lobby and their ministry. But if you don't know this, I'm also going to share with you, it's through David Green and his family, Stephen Green and all the rest of them, that God has placed in Washington, D.C., this awesome museum of the Bible. And it's awesome what God has done. All I want to say to this is, Thank God that David Green didn't go into the ministry. Thank God that David Green said, Lord, you have a purpose for my life. And it can't just be what somebody else does. I can't just say because they're doing it, I have to do it. I have to hear from you, Lord. You have a nickname for me. You know, you, you, you know my name. You know how many hairs are on my head. You've got my identity. You've defined my identity. But you also have defined my unique personality, my giftings, and you have a specific calling for me in my life. And the beautiful thing that we're using, um, David Green as an example, is it doesn't have to be a ministry. In fact, you will be much more effective in life and your calling if you don't go in ministry, if God hasn't called you into that. Because the reality is God has called every one of us in a ministry. He just has a different place for us to experience that ministry. Some in a professional career calling of ministry. Others, God wants us in nursing homes and in, in, in universities and teaching um, in preschool, uh, teaching um, in, grade, in, in elementary school or university. Uh, God wants us in business. God wants us in theater. God wants us in all these different places, in politics, government, um, in, in the diplomatic corps. God wants us to be everywhere. Why? Because God loves everyone everywhere. He loves all people, all religions. He loves all races. He loves all people exactly the same. And he wants somebody to be among them who knows that God is our Father, that Jesus is our Savior, and that Holy Spirit can be with us. And we don't have to clobber them over the head. We don't have to stand up and preach it to them like we're in a pulpit. We can just live it out. And when they get to know us, they can begin to ask like, hey, What's different about you? And all of a sudden, we find ourselves transforming our society, transforming our world around us, our culture, because the kingdom of God is within us, and we are allowing the kingdom of God to come out of us to, our, to the place around us. Can you say amen? So I, I just want to stop and pray and thank God for your identity and pray for your calling. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for their identity. Reveal even more to them about who they are in you. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would reveal to them their calling in every way that you want them to, to understand it, God. In Jesus' name. Can we say amen? amen. I want to quickly, because I want to make sure I leave myself time uh, for what I want to do. So if you would, stick with me. I want to give you some really good points. Uh, before I'm done speaking, and then we're going to do something really interesting and really fun together as we're sitting there um, at our seats around the table. So I want you to look at this scripture when you think of calling. It's out of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. It says, It was he who gave some as apostles, 
some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. When it says it is he, it's talking about Jesus. You know that from the rest of the chapter. But we're picking up right in the middle of the chapter, so I want to identify. Jesus is who we're talking about. The Son of God gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. How come? (laughs) It says in the next one, I'm glad you asked. To build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Why? So that we can become a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature, the fullness of Christ. You know, maybe that statement right there is a statement of the meaning of life. <laughs> maybe that statement right there is, is all you need from, from the Bible to just define your identity and, and your calling right there. It's a very, very powerful statement. Just becoming mature as individuals and especially as the body of Christ. Each one of us growing up in our faith, growing up in the love of God, and then experiencing that together with the rest of the community of our local church. And, and here's the beautiful thing about it. I, I, I don't believe at all, according to Scripture, that we can mature as individuals into the stature of the body of Christ. It doesn't work that way. Jesus called people in the community. He said to one, follow me, and then made them a part of his community, and they followed him together. You can't grow in maturity in Christ until you're with those who are growing in maturity in Christ. That's why God identifies his people as a family. You've got to be with your family. When your family gives you those strengths and those abilities, all those things that you have, um, that's, that's the way it works in the church. The more that you're in fellowship the more that you attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ as you're in the family of God. So at some level, this passage is identifying for us that there are basically these five sorts of people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and that their role is to equip the saints. Everyone say, I'm a saint. That was hard to say, wasn't it? Unless you know the love of God for you and the transforming power of his grace and the blood of Jesus. It's hard to say I'm a saint, but God makes a saint. To equip the saints for works. Equip the people of God for works of service. So one of the best ways that we step into our calling, that we step into our identity, is through working. And that's the, that's the next fill in the blank that you could put there in your notes, is through working. It's an amazing thing that it says right there that God wants to equip us through these five sorts of individuals so that we may be involved in works of service. So one of the ways that we step into our calling is through working. Now there's some great teaching about resting and I encourage you to read it. Jesus, God made for us the Sabbath. Jesus told us that the Sabbath was, we weren't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for us. God wants us to rest. He wants to teach us about the principle of rest. He wants, the Bible says that God gives sleep to those he loves. And, and so declare that you can sleep based on the love of God when you have insomnia. Just declare, I'm loved by God. I don't have to stay up. I can let my heart rest. I can let my mind rest and, and just live in the love of God. And so 
God wants to teach us about rest, but he also has something to teach us about work. Through working, works of service, it, it explains to us here, we actually step into this maturity and attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now here's the interesting thing. We sometimes think work, because it's hard, is because of sin in the world. Because we look back at Adam and Eve, and we go, you know what? Adam and Eve sinned. The first humans sinned against God. And then after that, everything's been hard. Well, it's been hard after that, for sure. Sin makes life hard. It's pleasure for a while, but it always makes life difficult, okay? And, but, 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 but the work was there before the, 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 the sin made the work hard. In, in the garden, if you look back at Adam and Eve, God gave them responsibility in the garden. They were given the responsibility of stewarding the garden that God had given to them. It was work that God gave to them. It was purpose. It was something to get up for in the morning and to go out and do and then look at it at the end of the day and say, I did that. I accomplished it. And so you know what that feels like. You know what it feels like to say, I have a to-do list and I got it done. I had an objective and I accomplished it. We know the sense of purpose that we have in that. And that's a God-given thing. Work is actually a gift from the Lord. If you want a beautiful theology of work, read Proverbs. I encourage you maybe once a year, read a proverb a day. There's 31 of them. So pick a month of the year that has 31 days and read a proverb a day. And they talk so much about work and, and they talk about the purpose of it and how to go about it and how, how it blesses us in our lives. And so here we see that we're called to works of service as a way to attain the fullness of the unity of the body of Christ and maturity. So when we're not working, we have this sense of like, I need to be working at some level. I need to be investing. I need to be giving. I need to be sacrificing. I need to be becoming, enhancing. I just can't be receiving. I got to be giving out. I, I got to be maximizing the things that God has placed within me that are resident within me because of his grace and, and, and flow out to people around me. Are you hearing that call that God gives us to just get up and get going in Jesus' name? Amen? Just get up and get going in Jesus' name. So the beautiful thing is um, at Embassy Church, like, like other churches that are just saying, God, we want to be guided by your scripture, by the word of God, by the Bible. We, we recognize that the church model that functions best is when we when we have those apostles, those prophets, those evangelists, pastors and teachers who are, who are actually empowering the community for these works of service. You know, a survey was done of churches and, and, and the question was asked of them, what's the main job of spiritual leadership? Pastors, elders, deacons, whatever you call them. What's the main job of spiritual leadership? And those churches that were under 200 people, the way that they answered that question was, the main work, uh, the main job of spiritual leadership is to be there for us, to, to marry us, to bury us, to celebrate with us, to be with us when we're sick and in the hospital, to be there, to be there. But what's interesting is the churches that were over 200 had a different response to the very same question. What's the main job of leadership, of spiritual leadership? And their answer was to prepare the people for works of service, to actually, you know, equip them with skills, to give them training, to mobilize them, 
to be their most amazing selves in the community of God. Isn't that interesting? And I think that's a lesson for us that what we're going to do as we transition because we're, we're, we're growing as a church and we're going to continue growing as a church and we've got to recognize that the way that we move with where God is taking us is for every one of us to find our identity in God, to find our calling in God and to pick up our shovel and start digging, pick up our hammer and start building, pick up you know our, 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 uh, our child, our, our children and start doing child care, our youth and start mentoring and all the things that we can do in ministries um, as a church family. Can we say amen? amen? Oh, come on. You guys are not hearing me this morning. Can we say amen? amen. Mm, I still think you can do a little better. Come on. Can we just give one more time? Can we say amen? Amen. amen. That was a reality. I love it. So if you've got a ministry, you've, you, you're, you're going and just pray over it. But if you don't have a ministry yet, just trust God and say, Lord, I need to know because, and by the way, ministry doesn't all have to be inside this church. You know, there, everyone who comes to this church, we invite you to minister here. The simplest way to minister is hospitality, just greet people, connect with people, ask people how to pray for them, that kind of stuff. That, prayer and hospitality, those are the easiest entry-level ways to minister. By the way, I believe that just showing up is ministry. <laughs> Because just by showing up, you're setting an example to others, you know, coming to church family time, being here for worship, all those things. You're just, you're just setting the pace for others, you know. And so I encourage you in all of those things. Um, but I just want to also just say to you, church can be, ministry can and should be outside of, of embassy church as well. And some people, that's their primary ministry. I want to give you at least one example. Gary and Susan, their ministry as an Oasis Center in Northern Virginia. That's really their primary ministry. But notice how they still minister at Embassy Church. They're praying with people. They're caring for people. They're greeting people. They're like elders in the church without actually being officially able to serve as elders in the church because of the ministry at Oasis Center. And so the reality is, is don't get kind of rigid and religious about this. Just allow the Holy Spirit just to lead you into what ministry he has for you in the building, outside of the building. Um, and, and then connect with us. You know, there's ministry in Columbia Heights. There's ministry in Cathedral Heights where we are. There's ministry um, for different ages. And, and there's things to do on Sunday and outside of Sunday. And any of these things, feel free to connect with us on that. So each of us is called. And we, we, just, think, we just pray that everyone would expect that they have a ministry to do. Jesus said that we're all called to make disciples. Amen of all nations. So I want to give you this. And I'm, I'm starting to almost, I got a, just a few more minutes before I have to transition to our, to our um, spiritual gift survey. But I want to make just a few more points. We discover our calling naturally and supernaturally. Would you fill that in in your notes? We discover our calling naturally and supernaturally. I'm not going to take a lot of time for this, but I just want to tell you there's some resources in your notes there, and, and there are some natural opportunities for you to get some um, ways to dis discover your spiritual gift. Um, I don't even know where I put my notes now, but, uh, but they're down at the bottom of your notes. I'm okay. So they're down at the bottom of your notes there. Just, um, you know, there's some resources there for you to, how to write a mission statement for your life. Um, all of those, you know, things, discovering your personality, uh, discovering your giftings, all of those things. And we'll help you with that. Um, come to your life at Embassy Church at the end of Deeper Life. We'll help you with that. Um, we're going to do strength finders in the fall, Lord willing, and uh, so we'll help you with all that. But I just want to say this. I just want to make this point. 
sometimes you find it just in natural ways. You know how Esther found out her calling just by being who God made her? Did you know Esther was really pretty? Did you hear the story? She was really pretty. Uh, and she was outstandingly just, just attractive. And, and, and that's how she became the queen uh, of, of a country that had taken over Israel. And when, that, when, when somebody rose up to try and kill off all the Jewish people, Esther revealed that she was Jewish to the king. And, 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 and she could have died for it, but she just realized that God had raised her up for such a time as that. And she just found her calling just in a natural way. You know, one of the ways that we find our calling is just natural. We just do what we're good at. We just do whatever the opportunity is. Sometimes we find our calling by just meeting a need. Did you know that? Somebody says, hey, could you do this? And you go, I I don't know if that's my calling, but that's the need and I'll respond to it. Because God cares more about who you are than what you do. So before you try and fixate on what you're supposed to do, just be who you are. Be willing. Somebody says you got to be fat to serve the Lord. And, uh, and, and what, they were, what they meant by that is not, not the word FAT, but the, but the acronym of FAT, F-A-T, Faithful, Available, Teachable. Okay? And so we're not, we're not, we're not saying, you know, get unhealthy. Right? We're just saying you got to be faithful, you got to be available, you got to be teachable. And that's how you serve the Lord. And so just be who God wants you to be. And, and you'll just naturally sometimes find yourself, oh, this is the call that God has for me. Sometimes a job opportunity opens up. You never knew you were going to take it. You find yourself doing it, and you go, this is where God wanted me. God can move you in directions naturally and supernaturally. The Apostle Paul had natural abilities that made him the Apostle Paul, but it was a supernatural calling. God knocked him off his high horse and blinded him and then spoke to him and says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? I've got, I want you to, I want to send you to the Gentiles and it's a supernatural thing. So however God makes his calling known to you, just run with it. By the way, if you don't know that it's for sure God's call, God can move a moving vehicle easier than he can a vehicle that where the motor is turned off. Okay. So just get going for God and then trust him to get you in the right direction. Amen. Just get up and start doing. Somebody says, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I need to feel led. And one pastor said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to get a piece of lead. And, and he, he held up a piece of lead. And he says, everyone come up here and feel lead. All right? And then go out and do whatever that God puts before you to do, you know? And so we just, we just start getting mobile and allow God to, to help us find our way. I've taken all the different testing personality profiles. I find them to be amazingly helpful, very confirming to me. I've just taken one recently again after taking them numerous times, and God further defined for me this precision of my calling, of my identity, and I, and I just feel like, okay, I know how many years I've left if I live a natural life, and, I, and I've, I'm going to run this race with a greater understanding of my calling, of my identity in God, and I'm going to do it pell-mell. I'm going to go full bore out for this thing and say, God, this is where you've called me. So, so just know that um, spiritual... Uh, uh, let me just look through my notes. Um, the, the disc, all these things, read the scriptures that are in there. Um, I'm, I'm about to run out of time. So somebody hand me notes again. I got to fill in your blanks really quick. Can you? Wait, wait, here, here it is. Here it is. I got it. I got it. I got it. Thanks. All right. Um, did you get that when we discover your calling naturally and supernaturally? The next one is this. Ways to think about your uniqueness. Ministering to God. Ministering to the church ministering to unbelievers. Can you fill in those blanks and think about that when you have a chance? 
If you're, if you're more focused on, God, I just want to be in your presence and that's my main focus. Some of you love being in God's presence, but you feel yourself compelled to be with non-believers in a, a more unusual way than others. Some of you feel like your ministry is inside the church in a teaching or nurturing capacity, discipleship. That'll help you to identify a focus for your calling. Some of you are more called to the church than you are to the world, but you're going to reach the world by, by strengthening the church. Some of you are called more to reach the world, but you've got to be connected to the church to do that. Some of you are called more just to minister to the Lord, and, and, and you're the intercessor, you're the, you're the Mar- Mary who, who's spent sitting at the feet of Jesus in a, in a way more than others are. You're more uh, being-focused than task-focused and that kind of thing. So just, just think through those. The other one is, and this is how you could really get in touch with your um, own uniqueness, ministering to physical needs, emotional needs, and spiritual needs, Okay. Fill in those because you might find yourself more inclined to meet somebody's physical needs. You know, just compassion ministries, or maybe maybe their social, their uh, spiritual needs, or their emotional needs. And this might help you to know if you're more of a counselor, or or, or if you're more of an evangelist. Those kind of things. And then the resources that are there for you at the bottom. Okay, everyone, if you would pull out this uh, spiritual survey. And we're going to give you a chance to do it. Can we start to play a little music just softly uh, for this and just begin to gear you up? Um, I just want to say on the first two pages, uh, and, and the pages are double-sided, so I mean the first and page back and front. Don't read that now, okay? That's for you to read later. But this is about spiritual gifts uh, from the Word of God. The passages are there about spiritual gifts in Romans 12. 1 Corinthians 12, the passage we read in 1 Peter 4. And these are like main areas of giftings that God gives us. And there's information about it. But if you would turn to page 3, which is actually the front of the second page where it says spiritual gift survey. And I want to do this quickly, the, the, the explanation. So don't read those first two paragraphs, but they're there if you need to. Everyone say five. That's the top of the list. Number five means that the statement that you're about to read, this is true about you all the time. Everyone say one. This is the last, this is the least. This means it's, it's not true about you. And then in between there's four, three, and two. Four is, this is true of me maybe, you know, most of the time. Three is, this is true of me 50% of the time. Two is, this is true of me 20% of the time. So, for instance, number one, I have the ability to organize ideas, resources, time, and people effectively. If I'm not a real organized person and I, and I haven't been successful in this, by the way, I'm just going to write two I'm just, or one. I'm going to say that's not true at all or it's only true maybe 25% of the time. But if that's my forte, by the way, as you grow in, in, in these spiritual gifts, your scores will get higher for each of these because God takes even our weaknesses and makes them stronger and takes our strengths the longer you serve the Lord the more effective you can become in serving the Lord and so um, if your numbers are low now don't get discouraged just say God I love where I'm starting because you're taking me somewhere but what we're going to do is there's 80 questions we're going to give you a chance to sit quietly where you are we're going to give you about 10 minutes to go ahead and and go through that uh, with this and just best you can 
And by the way, some of them you're going to ask yourself, is this really the right number to give? Don't worry about it. Just make your best estimate. And I guarantee you, you're going to be close to, to, to being you know, completely accurate in this, okay? So i just give you an opportunity just to go ahead and write these numbers down. And then after you're done, we'll explain how to tally up those numbers and really identify our spiritual gifts. God bless you. Enjoy.